It's just too much. God, I can't be positive all the time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Irenacast. I'm your host, Jeff, and with me is my co-host, Alan. Boom goes the dynamite. (laughs) On the first and third Tuesday of every month, we bring to you our perspectives on theology and culture from a post-evangelical lens. Thank you for joining us for another conversation to provoke your progressive Christian imagination. This week... Are we going with that? We're going with that, Alan. You're okay. gonna. I think that's gonna be our new thing. Is every week you're gonna come up with something completely ridiculous? No, no. Only when I only when I feel the spirit moving me. <laughs> Speaking of the spirit, great segue. This week we are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. This was actually listener suggested, and it kind of you know did the whole light bulb thing over my head, and I was like, we've never talked about this particular issue on the show, and I would say that for Alan and I, this was the first theological conversation that we had ongoing in our relationship together was the Holy Spirit. Cause I grew up charismatic. He grew up not. And I would say by even today, Alan is much more uh, charismatic than I am. And I think that'll be yeah. a fun, interesting switch on things. And for our segment, we are going to be uh, first, we're going to do a little bit of a state of the podcast state of Irenicast, uh little information, you know, I, I didn't want to say information dump, Sesh. but yeah, information session. Just kind of update you all on what we're doing, where we're going, and give you a big thank you for all of you that filled out the survey, which we'll be talking about a little bit later. And we will also be doing a new segment that I was thinking of while I was watching. I don't know what I was doing, but I was thinking of it. And we're gonna we're gonna try it out, but we're tentatively calling it youth group or extreme sport. And we've come up with a variety of names. And then the other host has to guess, is it an extreme sport or is it the name of a youth group? And, and their actual names. Their actual names and, and actual sports yeah. brands. So that should be fun. Um, so Holy Spirit, this is an interesting conversation because, like I said, at the top of the show, we've had an ongoing conversation about this probably more heavily when we were both in the midst of our evangelicalism and, and youth pastor positions. Um, but for me – This was the issue. This was the issue that brought me into even knowing what theology was. And I have right in front of me, I'm looking at it. I'm going to show it to Alan in the camera, and then I'll put a picture on Instagram of it before this show airs. So check it out. And it is the first theology book I ever got. Someone gave it to me from my church. It was my Sunday school teacher who introduced theology to me in the first place. And it's called The Foundations of Pentecostal Theology, which at this point, Pentecostal theology, I feel like is a little bit of an oxymoron. But um, I'm sorry, that was mean. (laughs) That's brutal. But there has been a lot of people that I've met in seminaries who are Pentecostal, and they've all lamented this like lack of there is a lack theology in that area of Christianity, right? But there are there are a few scholars or however we want to delineate what that is. Um, anyway, uh, but the reason that the Holy Spirit was an issue that I wanted to learn about because when I got this book, I cracked it open right to the Holy Spirit page because in my upbringing in Pentecostalism, it was all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it it turned into like a like a spiritual hierarchy. And for the longest time, I wasn't baptized in the spirit. So that was that was my initial entry into this idea of the Holy Spirit. Um, and at this point, I find less and less uh, interest in theological concepts as I do life concepts. But the Holy Spirit, I think, is an interesting one because I, for me, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be holding on to Alan's knowledge for this. I don't really have a place where I've landed in terms of what I think the Holy Spirit is now. And I know 
I think Alan does. So, <laughs> Alan, what's what's been your history with the Holy Spirit? Uh, you you said that I kind of grew up, you know, with a different perspective. I did. It was mostly my my church I grew up in. They build themselves as cessationists. There's this inter-Christian argument, like, are all the miraculous things in the New Testament? And this is not for like mainline liberals and stuff. This is we're talking more conservative denominations. The big debate when I was growing up was, do these miraculous things still exist? Does the spirit still participate in them? Do people speak in tongues? Are there healings? Like all these lists of things. And my denomination built itself against charismatics and against Pentecostals. Literally, John MacArthur wrote, and I'm looking at it right now. You know, I'm going to lean over and grab it. I can't believe it's within reach. Dude. I did not plan this. Um, <laughs> charismatic chaos. Can you see this? Let me look. I can yeah. see that. We will there also put a picture of this book on our Instagram so you can check it out. Uh, Absolutely. So as you're so listening jo- to this, it's already on there. John MacArthur wrote Charismatic Chaos, Signs and Wonders, Speaking in Tongues, Health and Wealth Gospel, Charismatic Televangelism, Does God Still Speak Today? And the whole idea was that once the Bible was complete, there was no need for God to speak through prophets or miracles or anything like that because now we had this perfect – Word of God, and that's what we focus on as a church. For me personally, uh, this was my first like systematic theo- other than end time stuff when I was reading Tim LaHaye in high school. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty pretty dope. I got into this systematic theology because I went to John MacArthur's college. The Master's College is what it was called back then. Personally, I had had all of these miraculous experiences. And this is the episode where I'm going to get cuckoo, right? <laughs> like here's where it all comes out. Um, I've had these miraculous experiences that I would say they were, you know, spirit inspired. Um, and I've, I, I belong to a family where my grandparents are charismatic Roman Catholics. And like half of all Roman Catholics are charismatic, but people don't realize that. And they would like, they have all these, you know, miraculous things and speaking in tongues. And I have, uh, some of my family were assemblies of God, and I had a lot of respect for all these family members who have had these certain experiences of God. And then I'd go to church and I would hear, you know, all of them are like delusional. They're not actually participating in God. They're doing something totally different and uh, chasing after all these experiences. And so in Bible college, I had this drive to kind of separate out, you know, what? what is bias? What is true? What am I experiencing? What am I being taught? What does my family believe? Like all these different things. And that's really when I met you, when I was in the middle of experiencing that. And I, I would say I wasn't very outwardly charismatic. I never have been. Uh, my favorite teacher in high school, her name was Mrs. Holland. She was a, a physics teacher. She would show clips of who's that guy who would do faith healings? Like Benny Hinn, Benny Hinn. She showed a (laughs) clip of Benny Hinn and she told everyone in class, like, don't let anyone pull the wool over your eyes. Like, don't let anyone, you know, (laughs) like actually ask questions, meaningful questions and wrestle these concepts to the ground. Don't let anyone, you know, whatever. And I I remember thinking that is so cool. I want to live my life like that. So I discounted spiritual experience in everyone else's life except my own because they were very real, (laughs) meaningful. And so I, I like outwardly was not charismatic, but people at the college I went to would 
like make fun of me and stuff like, oh, you're charismatic, but I still love you. Or like they told a story one time about all of these Christians getting in this group and hissing like snakes and barking like dogs um, out of like interaction with the Holy Spirit. And so when they saw me after that story at lunch or whatever, they would all hiss at me like a snake, even though like I, you know, it's just a story someone told. Anyway, so so my history, my history is like seeing this debate that's happening on the very fringe of worldwide Christianity, very specific denominations having these arguments with each other. They're, they're mostly fundamentalistic, very conservative, like charismatics and non charismatics arguing over what the Holy Spirit does. So, so that's, that's kind of like my background of why I'm interested in the topic and why it was such a big topic for me when you and I started talking. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that we haven't really talked about it as a podcast, not just because of the way our podcast has gone over the last how many years has it been? Three? Three years. Yeah. Three years. If if you look back at church history, the very first creed put out by the church was the Nicene Creed, and it was developed at Nicaea in 320 Hence the name. AD. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and these church fathers, I'm putting in quote, church thinkers were put together by, you know, the Emperor Constantine or whatever. He invited them all together to, like, settle all their disputes finally. You guys just work it all out and tell us what Christianity is. And uh, they came up with this document that said, we believe in our in one God, the Father, all sovereign, maker of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and then goes to talk about all these things about Jesus, begotten of the Father, only begotten, that is, of the substance of the Father, God of God, light of light, you know, all this stuff, made flesh. And then at the very bottom, it says, this very last part of the whole document, and in the Holy Spirit, period. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, that's all that the Holy Spirit got in that first creed was, and in the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't surprise me that we haven't really fleshed out for ourselves where we're at, because the church has been trying to do that for a very long time. And then, you know, Chalcedon, a hundred and some odd years later, they come out with a longer one, a longer creed. And the third article on the Holy Spirit says, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life who proceeds from the Father, like all this stuff. So I'm interested in kind of what we conceive of the Holy Spirit to be, not just for us personally, like where the where the roots historically of those things have come from and what are people doing with the concept of the Holy Spirit now? That's kind of what I want to talk about in this episode so yeah, that's where I'm coming from. And I think that there's, I don't hear a lot about Holy Spirit talk in progressive Christian circles. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't hear it at all. No, not at all. Right. Well, Except I would say even like a certain, because uh, we were, both of us, like we mentioned before, were in sort of niche evangelical places, right? Like, so I was in right. Pentecostalism and you were more in a much more conservative. Neo-Calvinistic dispensational anti-cessationism. Right. So it, was, right. <laughs> it was more like what you were against than anything else. And I right. think that it's even true within evangelicalism. It's an afterthought, right? Like it's, I think part of it is that there's no, there's no narrative to hold on to, right? We say it's the person of the Holy Spirit, but there's no narrative that that Christianity has been able to hold on to as far as this is what the Holy Spirit does and how the Holy Spirit acts because it's always it's always unclear even from scripture from from a surface level reading on whether it's just talking about God or God. the Spirit or like where does that where's that line? I think, you know, this goes into trinitarian theology, which is something we should probably address down the line as well. Um 
So the only narrative we do have is, you know, Acts chapter two, the falling of the thing. And that's only time that we really mention it and all that kind of stuff. So I think, I think that's part of the reason why it's not even mentioned in even a lot of evangelical circles as a, as a primary focus of, of theology or discussion or rhetoric or anything like that. Francis Chan, that's, that's my background. Like his he, book, he, yeah. come, he comes from the same college I did. He actually wrote a book called Forgotten God. And he says, if you just sat down and read the, this is a, one of the weird moments where I think Francis Chan and I would probably agree on something. And that is like, if you sat down and you read about the community being shaped by God's spirit in the new, in the new Testament, in the book of Acts, and then you saw what the church was like today, <laughs> you might be sorely disappointed, you know, like, so I, I might agree with that. And so he, he laments the lack of conversation about, um, about the Holy spirit. And I, I'm very resistant to the scholastic method now, maybe not earlier in my life, but now where you take all the little pieces in the Bible where it says something about the Holy Spirit and you systematize it into a science of what the Spirit is and does. Um, I think these are people's experiences of the Spirit that are very true and real and that we they describe what the Holy Spirit does maybe, but I don't want to look at it that way. I want to look at it more from like a historical and reflective and, and definitely using the Bible, but still, I think there's a different way to approach it than just systematizing. It's just the spirit comfort. So we're going to put that on the Excel spreadsheet of everything that the spirit does and doesn't do. You know, I think the whole, I think especially when we talk about the spirit of God and Christianity, the Excel spreadsheet doesn't really work, <laughs> you know, and that's part of why we, we talk about this stuff like that is one of the defining characteristics of God's spirit in the tradition of Christianity is that it resists definition it resists denominalization i think that comes from richard Rohr. it, it resists moves like in mysterious ways yeah that comes from you too kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> it moves in mysterious. yeah i'm not gonna even try so uh mark van steenwick i wanted to say this i was saying progressives don't usually talk about it but mark van steenwick um who wrote a wolf at the gate and we've interviewed him in a previous ep- episode he threw up a status on facebook uh, that really spoke to me, I think, and kind of nailed where I'm at as well. He said, I thank God that the evangelicalism slash fundamentalism of my youth was anchored in the charismatic movement so that even as my understanding of scripture and the world changed, I've had an unbroken conviction that the spirit moves where the spirit will and that life is found in the presence of God, not in the adherence to creeds or ideological purity. And I read that and I, I immediately recognized like that is one part of my, of my faith upbringing that I think I hold on to pretty tightly is the activity of the spirit. And that, that being a big part of my faith, even into progressivism, um, in the very beginning, right? The, the Ruach, the very beginning, Genesis one, the Ruach is, is, is over the, uh, over the waters, the spirit of God is hovering over the waters, right? There's a, it's, it's dark and void. Um, I like to interpret that verse, not the spirit of God, but the wind of God, because spirit and wind mean the same thing. We could do our little Rob Bell segment and be like, <laughs> <laughs> Ruach, breath, wind, the spirit of God. You need to but speak yeah, that's, slower. That's how oh, yeah. Rob Bell does it, right? <laughs> speak slower. And, and it I must love be. <laughs> there <laughs> dude all, all of those videos were so good though like, i know I, were, I love it they were a breath of fresh air no pun intended to my youth group um when i was a youth pastor 
So I, th- there's all these stories that happened before Genesis, Marduk in Bab- in the Babylonian epic. Um, he fights Tiamat and breaks her in half, this other god, and creates from her body, which is chaos, creates all that, all that there is for human beings, right? The mantle above and the mantle below creates the planet. And it's his breath that, that extends her belly and splits her in two. So the breath of creation in this older than Genesis account that Genesis likely harkens back to in some ways. And we'll put a link to that, the Enuma sure. Elish in the yes. show notes as well. And then, and then, uh, you have in Genesis the spirit of God or the wind of God hovering over the waters of chaos, which is very similar to, to that other document. Uh, and then this, this, I, this concept of this breath when God breathes into the human beings, right? God is creating life. Like the, the spirit is hovering. The spirit is blown into people. And, um, f- from the very beginning, the Holy Spirit is this generative presence of God. It creates life. Because it is present, life arises. And I think I've latched onto that in my progressive theology just as much as I did back then, is that uh, the spirit of God is present everywhere across this, un- across this universe. And it is the thing that binds reality together and upholds the principles of physics and everything else that allow life to flourish in a general sense and in a specific sense. So I think like that's kind of where where I stop or even the receding floodwaters. So you know how in Noah the, the waters flood the earth? It's actually the wind of God that pushes them away. Right. Mm-hmm. And it says wind, but you know that's spirit. Um and so there's this idea of continuous creation. Psalm one oh four talks about, you know, when when you breathe on the planet, all the plants and animals, not just human beings, but everything rises to you. And when you take your breath away, your spirit away, they die. And so this presence of God is what is what like undergirds all of reality. Wolf Wolfhart Pannenberg, who is a theologian in the mid 20th century, compared the spirit to a, f- a field of force, like a magnetic field. Like when you're in a magnetic field, you feel the poles and the force on you. And that's what the spirit of God is for all of the universe, is that it's this field inside of which things are happening. And there's like, it's not the things themselves, it's the field in which they they occur. Right. I, I liken it to your your work. So for us, this podcast is not us, but it's us. Like we've right. put this work, we've put this word out there that then begins to have sort of a life of its own, but is always connected to who we are or a snapshot of who we were, which is a whole, whole picture of who we are. Right. So I think mean, that's like a whole <laughs> right. is a little confusing. But and, and I think that when we think of God in terms of God's work, uh, that that's or God's movement or God's actions, that's kind of that similar thing is that there's, there's something that is, that has begun to take a life of its own that is still very much part of the, the originator of that work. So that creative work, think that, that creative work that's not only creating something, but affecting other things and bringing others into kind of a, a bigger story, a bigger reality, a bigger existence or whatever. Um, and I think that, and kind of wonder whether, the reason we have also a difficulty with the idea of the Holy Spirit or really a way to pin it down is that it's be- it's connected to the idea of spirit, which we, I think, a lot of times associate with soul. And I think that sure. the idea of a soul has been something that's changed over time. So I feel like during during the, the time in which the Hebrew scripture was written, you were what you were. There wasn't really a concept of a human soul. When you, you died, you died. That was it. And it wasn't until the influx of, of Greek – 
more Western thought into Judaism where there's a delineation between your body and your soul. So from the Hebrew po- right. point of view and in, in the Hebrew scriptures, the spirit, something – some separate action – separate from the way you talk about God was unique to God. And then when you get into the New Testament, it is something that is not just unique to God, but it's something that people have then ascribed to themselves as far as body and spirit, like a delineation. Not that they they considered it separate things, but they're different words to describe different parts of who that person is. And I wonder if how that's changed over time and how I feel like we're coming more into a time where there's less – uh Maybe it's just the postmodern in me or whatever, but it seems to be more similar to Eastern thought now where most – at least in the circles of progressive Christianity that I feel like I've been paying attention to or experiencing on my own, that it's kind of moving back into that idea of, well, you're just one person. Like there's no separation. You're not divided. Dude, I, I don't have a pen here. <laughs> I'm trying to write things down while you're talking because there's so much to – yeah, I, I, I want to say t- two things. First, Nefesh. The Hebrew thing you're talking about, the the soul of a person or whatever, I think I think nefesh is the word. I can't really remember. Um, it refers to the wholeness of one uh, of your whole self, the, the the like sum total of who you are, your life force. This is like what you are. They didn't in- interpret it in terms of what of what we did either. Um, so that that that's your spot on there, and I think that that kind of reinterprets what we think about maybe even the spirit of God. It's like this, you know, as opposed to the separated thing, the separated thing that you're speaking about. Maybe that's a way to reinterpret God's own spirit. The The other thing is that, like, historically, um, in Second Temple Judaism, that's when Jesus was alive. You know, the, that's like the, the area of time that historians talk about after the exile when they had returned and they rebuilt the temple and stuff like that. Uh, Judaism from what I've seen, there's been a lot of arguments about this, but there is this concept of wisdom as like a second presence in, in God and like wisdom personified in Proverbs and and then other places too, other rabbinic literature. Some people think that that's kind of where the concept of the Holy spirit comes from is from this wisdom that there's no like cult to wisdom in ancient Judaism. You'd expect to see that if there was like worship of this wisdom as like a consort to God or something like that. But it is possible that that's where like the idea of the spirit of God came on the one hand, maybe it's the ancient Jewish people trying to protect the monotheism of God saying God is so transcendent. So other that they're not going to say God did something. They're going to use distancing language and say the spirit of God did something like the spirit of God, you know, interacted with the world, not God, God's own self. That's a, that's one possibility. The other possibility is that there's this recognition that there's this multitude in the oneness. You know, we talk about Trinitarian theology way later on that there's the second presence that's recognized in, in wisdom literature. Well, I so think it becomes increasingly difficult to talk about the oneness of anything when your whole the foundation of your philosophy is compartmentalization, logic, emotion, this, that. So I think that that may be part of the oh, difficulty. Oh, you're not talking about the oneness of God. You're talking about the oneness of a human being. Well, either one. I think either one. I think that that's what maybe why the idea of the Trinity even came forward because it was a it was a difficult thing to it's have. Because s- it exists, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> we can argue about that. Later, the word but... exists. I agree. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I think it's just it's just one of those things because you definitely see a shift in the way that the word is used. So we have like. 
you know, like you said before, the word for spirit in in the Hebrew scriptures, ruach. But then, you know, we use the word pneuma in Greek. But then there's also the other word. What is it like? I always say parakeet, but it's not parakeet. It's paraclete. I think it is when when oh, the, advocate. Um, the Holy Spirit's referred to as like either helper or comforter. We don't really know the definition of that. So then it begins to talk about the spirit in relation to human beings, like as people move through the world. Where before the delineation I was always given in um, my Pentecostal upbringing was that uh, the Holy Spirit used to fall on people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the they were filled with the Holy Spirit, which I always – I know that there's a difference in the way that they talk about it, but the implications that was given to me was that that means we're, we're better now. And I have a problem with that, but I, we can, I guess, so address that later. So you're touching on all kinds of stuff. Like what I was saying about the the force field, what I was trying to get at was I was totally like you. My experience was the Holy Spirit was something you were given, something you took somewhere, something like you gifted to someone else. And there's some ideas of that in the New Testament with, you know, Paul and laying your hands on other people and things like that. Whereas now, I think a wider reading um, and there may be there may be some things to explore there. So, like, I want to like put a pin in that. But a wider reading would be this idea of the spirit as a generative force as like the field on which reality arises. And that really comes from um, uh, Pannenberg, like I was saying, in, in some Moltmann. Some people call it like pantheism. Some Christians are like, don't go that direction because that's pantheism. Like God is everywhere. You know, like God is in everything. Um, I like the term panentheism. Like everything is created inside of God. Uh and so when a person is attuned to the Holy Spirit, I know this sounds weird, and like maybe this is still part of my thing I have to work out in my brain, but I do believe people can be in tune with the Spirit or out of tune with it. Almost like uh, when I was in school, we had those scissors that we would magnetize. If you rubbed a magnet over a scissor over and over and over and over, you could magnetize it because you get the fields of force moving in the same direction inside of the iron. And, uh, and so then it'd be magnetized and you could pick up other stuff with it. It was so much fun. I feel like if a person inside of this field that is the spirit of God, it interacts with the spirit of God in such a way that certain conditions are met that living a quote unquote spirit filled life or having the spirit fall on you or whatever the metaphor we want to use for that. That's like a real phenomenon. When you come across someone who has been in the presence of God, Richard War says they're a scary person. Because they can't be bought like regular people can. They're not worried about things like, you know, most regular people are. They're, they're attached to this bigger thing that almost has taken hold of them that Acts, Acts 2 would say, had taken hold of an entire community. And I think that that is like integral to my idea of being a Christian. That like the scissors um, keeps rubbing them until they reach euphoria. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I do want to quote this real fast. I do want to quote this. So this is from divine dance. It's, it's a quotation of a quotation of a quotation or something like that. But this comes from uh, Howard Thurman. He was the mentor to MLK. He said in one of the books he wrote, this is a living world. Life is alive. God is the source of the vitality, the life of all living things. His energy is available to plants, to animals, and to our own bodies if the conditions are met. Life is a responsible activity. 
what is true for our bodies is also true for mind and spirit. Like you have to eat, right? You have to breathe. You have to drink water. You have to sleep. Those are, there's conditions to life. He's saying it's true of the spirit as well. Thus, if a person makes his deliberate self-conscious intention, the offering to God of his central consent and obedience, then he becomes energized by the living spirit of the living God. I still believe that in the middle of all of my deconstruction, I still believe that making yourself available to God does have a downward impact on your own self. I mean, even when we say the word God, right? Uh, Science Mike would say there's a neural network in your brain that represents what you're talking about that, that kicks into life when you say God or when you have God experiences, that it's this like structure that's built inside of your brain that has no outward referent, right? Like that's something that you're doing on your own. I do believe that that's there. And I think a person who practices like contemplation or prayer or all these other things works at their neural networking. And maybe that's like lining (laughs) the forces up in the scissors or whatever, so that they're (laughs) affected by the (laughs) whatever. But I do think that there are people who are in tune with, and I, and and at the same time, Jeff, I think there are people who are out of tune with what the spirit of God is doing. I really do believe that. I I I agree with that. Out of step, not just out of step, but out of tune. And I don't, I don't know what it is, see. but I would I I'm, I agree with that because I know what you're saying. But I I would just I would just say like they're out of tune with the flow of life. For some reason, I'm hesitant to like yeah the flow of life. Yeah, ascribe sure. God to it. But I think that that's because I become so disillusioned with uh, certain religious languages and stuff like that because I felt like it's done more to take me out of my reality than than draw me into it. Um, when I started at attending mainline churches after I left evangelical churches, even though I was in a Pentecostal church, we almost never celebrated or talked about, you know, Pentecost Sunday, which was weird, you know, but I, it, it was something that was more present every time Pentecost Sunday came around. When I went to more mainline churches, it was like, well, we celebrate Pentecost. We celebrate Pentecost. I remember the first time I went to a church, I didn't know what was going on. I had like five people ask me, like, why aren't you wearing red? I was like, what do you mean? Why am I not wearing red? I didn't know that was a thing. Like you were supposed to wear red on Pentecost Sunday or whatever. So I went back and I started reading and stuff like that and going through some of my old books and all that thinking I was at that point thinking I was done with ministry altogether. And uh, this idea of when in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit fell and stuff during the day of Pentecost, that at that point, one one thing that I read, and I don't know how accurate it is at this point, I haven't really gone back to it, but one thing I read that Pentecost for Judaism at that time had become a celebration of the giving of the Ten Commandments, you know, from God to Moses to the people, and that the giving of the Holy Spirit on that particular thing in relation to the Ten Commandments was that like you're talking about, here's a new way to live. Cause you know, when the 10 commandments were given, it was like this, these are things that you need to maneuver in the world in a way that's going to, for, for the Hebrew scriptures narrative was, you know, set you up as separate and the city on the hill to then whatever. So now this idea of, you know, Paul's whole thing against the law and all that kind of stuff. Now you no longer, you know, need the law to judge and help you wet your way through the world, but it is in you. It is part of you. It is, essentially who you are. And I thought that was an interesting take, but I also have a problem with this idea that for this many thousands of years before that, that was held from humanity because they weren't ready or because, you know, Jesus hadn't come yet or anything like that. That's a misreading. And that, and to me, that's a misreading that, that misses the, the, the activity of the spirit throughout all of Hebrew scripture and beforehand, like right. to say that this is something that just happened, like, and, and, that, and that's, this is how, 
evangelicals, especially, especially, and also charismatic evangelicals get the cart before the horse. They say, I have the spirit and you don't, or I have, right. you know, the spirit has fallen on me or I spoke in tongues. So therefore I have the baptism of the Holy spirit and you do not, like, but it's emblematic of, of their way in the world. Right. Right. Which is, which is sad because the spirit in the new Testament, especially actually revealed that those distinctions were bunk. It revealed that the distinctions of markers of in and out of the community were, were like, that's not the actual point, right? Like the, the Holy spirit is something that, that transgresses those divisions. And so to use the, having the spirit itself to set up those divisions gets all of it wrong. And that's why I really favor the idea of the spirit. And this comes from liberation theology, liberation theology used to tell, you know, before, before, the big dive into it in I think the sixties or maybe before that. Um, the idea was you brought God to places. You brought the Holy spirit to places when you're in missions work or whatever. And the idea of liberation theology is that the Holy spirit's already there. The Holy spirit's already working anywhere where freedom is, is being brought to people, freedom from oppression. The spirit of God is already working right. there. It's a distinction like, between regardless. bringing the Holy Spirit and discovering the Holy Spirit, which yes. is much more exciting and much more. Can, can we just pause and say that pick up a liberation theology book, a womanist theology book or any theology outside of the theology you've been raised with, and it will open up your world and make all of this stuff so much better. Because I agree. I think the reason we're having this conversation, the reason that all of us have been kind of moved out of evangelicalism, the reason that our theology has been shifted and shaped is because of the push of liberation theology. I think for me, it's the catalyst of everything that I am now and the wonderful work that's being done out there. So, And so in in regards to the spirit, there's no – they're the ones, the liberation theologians who said there's no – secular sacred split like the church exists for the world the activity of god in the world is the activity of god like there's no like there is a new creation you know genesis god creates the world and calls it good god creates people and calls it very good and one day the hope is that god will look at the world and it'll be very very good because the spirit is still creating like creation didn't stop there's look at evolution. Like things are, things are progressing. The universe is expanding. Creation is constant. So any concept of the, the spirit of God being incarnated in, in creation or like being the field on which creation arises, it's an ongoing fruitful activity. And every corner you look where liberation is happening, you have to say that that is, that, that is a work of the spirit. Now, um, process theology would say like, the spirit of God is not this forceful thing that's happening to people, but it's like this. And so, and so my, my concept of, of theology of the Holy spirit is informed by all of these different things. I was in a class with belly, Matty Karkanen. You know who that is, right? I do. I had his daughters <laughs> in my youth group. Right. Okay. So he, he, he would take us through all these different contextual theologies and say, what is, you know, pneumatology. That's the study of the Holy spirit from the word, Panuma, what does pneumatology look like in these different traditions? And I feel like coming out of that, now looking backward, all of it isn't, all of what I have is informed by these different things, like, you know, the ecology with Wolfhart Pannenberg and Moltmann, um, process theology. I love the concept of not only is the spirit everywhere, but the spirit's inviting things inviting things into relationship, inviting things into possibilities. There's not a set future, right? Where it's like the spirit has determined that this is going to happen. There's this interplay, like the spirit's affected just like we are. Like there's not this uh, chasm that separates us from having this like 
back and forth with the spirit. It's there like every to every molecule, to every tree, to every human being. And so this is like a, a, a reaction to the idea that God is this unfeeling, unchangeable, you know, Im- impassable, immutable force. And there's actually there's this independent or interdependent and contingent experience where when you make a decision, you're affecting the whole. You're affecting God and God is affecting you. And so like what process theologians, I don't know if I'm a hundred percent with all of them. What they would say is that the spirit's role in, in, in our society is inviting people to love. There's this tug, there's this invitation, but there's never a, you're going to do it no matter what, you know, like God is not, God is not ending people's free will. God is inviting people. So I, I bring a little bit of that. I bring a little bit of liberation theology and especially the ecological component. So when I think about the spirit, I think about it as being everyone's. It is, it, it's in everyone. It's in everything. And it is, it is having an effect on us as creation. Right. And so and I, it's infinite, right? Like I, I've been married. I'll be married. We just celebrated our anniversary. I've been married for 19 years. So I've known my wife forever. And there's certain things about her that haven't changed. I'm just now discovering them, right? Like people change and go through that. But the, yeah, I think I don't remember the specific thing. But last week I said something to her and she's like, oh, no, I don't like this or whatever. And I was like, wait, what? How do I not know that after 19 years? Because there's there's an infinite quality to our personality. There's there's always more to discover despite how much we think that we've you know got it all figured out. I mean – Especially in terms of a God that we attribute, you know, an infinite nature to. There's always something to surprise us that may seem like change, but maybe is just always there because we're not listening to other people who've experienced that thing that's new to us. Yes, especially if you think that God's affected by history. If you think God's affected by creation in any way, if there's this interplay. I just showed a friend. I, w- I want to link this in, in the show notes. The coolest video I've ever seen. It's the largest picture ever taken in human history. It's a picture of Andromeda. So you, you zoom in on one little tiny part of the sky and it's the, one of the nearest galaxies to us. You zoom in more on that galaxy, just a little portion of it. And then the camera pans and you just see like billions of stars, little pinpoints of light. That is a step in the right direction to begin to fathom how huge our universe is. If the spirit of God is everywhere and is interacting with everything that is going on right now in reality, it's going to be outside of our boxes and concepts. You know, like, yes, the spirit is interacting with us as a church. Yes, it fell on Pentecost. I believe that. I'm raising my hands. Hallelujah. It's leading us to do this stuff. But no, no, it's not a gift that I am bringing that is not already there. You know what I mean? The gifts that I may be bringing to the table is how God's spirit is interacting with my tradition, my people, my, my church in this way. That's the gift I'm bringing. There are other gifts at the table too, of uh, that other people have their experience of the spirit that, that they're bringing to the table as well. And they may call it something different. Like, I, I don't know. Like I, I want to listen, but it's putting the cart before the horse to say that other people don't have the spirit. And I do. And, and so I think that's why you and I don't talk about it. We don't talk about it because my church growing up was you're either a biblical church or you're not, right? <laughs> like that's the hierarchy. Are you Jeff? Are you a biblical Christian or you know something else? And we were are you spirit spirit filled church? <laughs> and then oh others right? they're fine, but yeah. Like so for for you guys, we're like oh is it a spirit filled church? It's like well what does that mean? 
show me, a, you know, a church that's not spirit filled. Like, oh no, you know, do you guys speak in tongues? Uh, and then the Methodists, what is it? Like perfection? Is that some people, and this is like old school Methodism or conservative Methodism is like, I, even though I work in a Methodist church, I'm not invested <laughs> enough to know. <laughs> There's this teachings that people can reach a state where they no longer sin. And so they're like perfect. They're, they're perfected. They're perfected. So, so like all, all, all these, everyone uses these markers to determine whether or not, you know, you're in the group or not. And I, and I don't think the, the spirit doesn't, doesn't play games like that. So one thing I do want to say in my section of Christianity that I came from of evangelicalism, there was talk about how the spirit never glorifies itself. This is why we didn't talk about the spirit in churches, Jeff. This is what we were told. The spirit comes to testify to the things of Jesus. That's in the new Testament. Um, Jesus says, you know, I'm sending a comforter. He's going to be with you. He's going to teach you all the things that I taught you. He's going to testify to me, that kind of stuff. And so like, it's this age old, you know, discussion of does the Holy spirit glorify itself? Should we talk about the Holy spirit? And it's like, should we invite the Holy spirit to be in this place? What's that song? It's like Chris Tomlin or someone else. And it's like, Holy spirit, you are welcome here. You know that song? Yeah, I, well, I, I'm place. sure you're getting the melody wrong, but <laughs> the, <laughs> I think actually, I know I think the song you're talking about. <laughs> I think it's a different version. Must be a different version. There's probably a couple of them. And uh, my background would have said, no, the Holy Spirit only talks about Jesus and the Holy Spirit helps us interpret the Bible. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And in that sense, it like destroyed our ability to even do like ecumenism to work with other Christians to work with people outside the Christian faith to even recognize the way that the spirit is involved in like creation and stuff. And I don't know, it's a, uh, it's unfortunate that people have said that that's like identified the smallest little, like I said, Excel box for the spirit. And what you're, what you said makes a lot of sense to me. You're like, these communities are oriented that way already. So of course they're going to read that onto right. what they think the spirit does. Well, and we cannot discount this idea, especially when you're talking about it, the Holy Spirit is a gift that we take to people. Like the nature of American Christianity and American idealism and stuff like that, that we, you know, we're the and best we're and the we gift, take things with us. We're the gift to the world. Has totally influenced how we approach those sure. things. And that's, yeah. So, and, and the world exists for us. Right. We're seeing that right now, right? That we know everything. We America help other first. people discover stuff. Yeah. Sure. Right. Those those poor souls, they don't know this or that or whatever. And it's like, uh, it just gets so tiring. And it's even more tiring when we we try to hold the language of God is infinite and God is universal and God is all things, <laughs> then make finite definitions on what that means and how people need to follow and move forward in that. And that goes to a lot of the stuff we talked about with uh, Jamie Wright and the experience that she had as, as a missionary and this whole idea of going in assuming you know more and and they know nothing. That leads me to I think the final thing I'll say. Surprisingly enough, Jeff, I'm now in a place in my life where I'm less less concerned as much about defining the isms of the Holy Spirit. I, I know that there oh, was a time wow. in my life where <laughs> I wanted an ism for everything. I wanted all the everything to make sense, everything to have its proper place. I wanted there to be and I still have this as a part of me. I want there to be a rational argumentation for all the positions that I hold. And I want people to show me their homework when it comes to the things they believe. You know, why do you believe what you believe? How does that cohere with everything else you're talking about? Um, I'm interested in when I talk about the Holy Spirit, less about like what the Holy Spirit is or is not. I think that's helpful. I think that's important. But what interests me even more is what do people who spend 
time interacting with God or in the presence of God or however you want to construe that, what do they look like? Do they look any different? Does that have like any import on my life as a person? And I think that the quotation that I misquoted earlier, I want to actually read it. Richard Rohr says, or T.S. Eliot. Good Lord. No, this is Richard Rohr. Richard Rohr quoting T.S. Eliot? No, this is Richard okay. Rohr. <laughs> Dude, this book is so dense. We'll we'll put it on there too, Divine Dance. Precisely because they aren't trying to push or promote themselves, a true spirit person often occurs as terrifying. They won't manipulate you, and you always know you can't manipulate them. Saints living in the circle dance of love are often a scary anomaly. They are not subject to our usual systems of rewards, punishments, and payoffs. And he goes on to exp- to explain it more. Not that like that's the only person who's like that, but just to say that people who are with the flow or whatever that is, they seem like different, you know, they're not caught up in all of the, the, the swings that happen. Um, yeah. But at the same time, don't you have like, I have a difficult time. Like the, the minute you said the, what was it? Or in that quote, people of the spirit, this, 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 it automatically sets up a hierarchy. Like, I don't understand why we can't yeah, identify he... what the spirit looks like without, you know, saying this person is this and this person isn't because no one person operates in that way all the time. Okay. So you operate that way in moments. I agree, but it's not like, okay, this is actually a conversation on Twitter. I read recently, like there was two reverends debating on Twitter. I think it was Rev Daniel and someone else. Like, you know, people who are like spiritual or in the spirit or of the spirit or a spirit person, as Richard Rohr says, is that just something that happens or is it a defining characteristic? Are you like that sometimes? Are you like that more? And I think it's a little bit of each. I think there are people who are generally in that vein, you know, and there are people who are wildly not. And there are some people in between. I, I do think that um, you're right in saying that. And, you know, Richard Rohr would spill a, a gajillions barrels of ink to explain he's not setting up an either or. I mean, like he includes the whole, he's not trying to create a hierarchy. And I, I read that in this book, but it's describing someone who is practicing in that and making it a part of their life. So there's not this wild up and downs in this spirit filled sort of thing. Like it's a general setting of life that that's being practiced. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Like if I see some, and I and I know that this sounds so stupid, and this is probably the most youth pastor thing I've ever seen. But when you see someone at the gym and they've done the work, it you can tell. And when I hang out with certain people and I have deep conversations with them, when they have spent time like discerning and thinking about like God and and the things of of justice and the deeper things the things that the spirit is leading us into and and all that god has for us or whatever whatever theological evangelical little byword you want to use you can tell like it shows that's how right. i feel for myself yeah and when i, I they agree speak, with that. it's like i want to listen to them whether they've you know whether they've prepped or not they're drawing from a deep well and i want to hear what they have to say there are other people that like that don't and not not say that someone's in or out or whatever but the only thing i would I would add to that because I agree. I mean, you have those moments where you can just appreciate like, this is where that person's at. I feel something different. This is something I strive for and stuff like that. But the only thing I would say is that how much of that is also dependent upon privilege and circumstance. Absolutely. There, there, there are certain 
modes in life where it's easier to be that way and it isn't. And then there's certain people whose life just lends towards being right. in those easier modes to be in that spot. Yeah, it's, it's not. And, and and you know what? And and I think that this is the age old question. Like, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Like, it, just because someone has the privilege to be able to pursue that stuff doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Like, right? Agreed. But it also how- doesn't mean that someone who's totally out of that flow can't also absolutely speak I've to met, us. I've met some people. I've met some people who are so busy with life. I've met mothers who are unbelievably have so many demands over them. They have no, like, like Jamie said, no time for a quiet time with God in the morning. You know what I mean? Right. Like, but when I talk with them, I can tell that they've lived under like quote, and this is from that Twitter war, the shadow of the almighty. I like, I, I feel that there's some sort of like holiness there that they're bringing that like, in their lived experience, whatever they're doing, like you can tell when someone is, is affected by the flow. If you mm. want to call it that, like so, you, uh, you can tell. Yeah. But I'm hesitant also. I mean, this is nitpicky. I know. But with like even the shadow of the almighty, it's again, it's like something you enter into as opposed to the way that I see it is like uh, to use a biblical term, like the veil being lifted. It's not that I've entered into something. It's that I'm, I'm I now see that there's something there that's always yes. been there. Absolutely. And I think that's an important distinction. I know it seems nitpicky, but I think it's important to know that we're not entering into anything. We're there. We just need to, right. um, you know, I take think our I'm blinders saying off. This, and I think I'm saying think the same are. thing about a person are. who's not – yeah. And and I'm not trying to create a system that, that determines who's in and who's out, who has it and who doesn't. But I do want to say discernment is important. I think I think a lack of discernment has given us all kinds of leaders that we shouldn't have. Both what do you mean? Church, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> both in the church and out. I mean, like, <laughs> well, at least did, at least the presidency hear? is sacred, right? <laughs> did you hear there's a pastor who was saying that demons are attacking Trump or whatever? There's I, these spiritual. Forces. I'm sure I saw that. It's hard to tell these days whether it's the onion or someone really speaking. And <laughs> well, when it gets to it, that point, if it doesn't seem crazy, then it's probably the onion. <laughs> I know, right? That's sad. <laughs> well, I yeah. Okay, we, we this is going to be a so long much, one. So there's any so clo- much more to say. There yeah, is. There there's is. so much more to say. Yeah, I've already said everything I want to say. I guess there's. I'm going to think of. I hate recording on this podcast sometimes because after listening to it, I'm like, oh my god, I should have said the one said thing this, I yeah. wanted to say. <laughs> the one thing I wanted to say. I, yeah, I don't know. May the spirit of God be with you and in you and through you and all that you do. That's Whatever what the hell say. that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> So let us know what you think. I know that in this particular episode, we use a lot of theological terms and we do work hard to make sure that anything we mention, we can link you to something else to get further into that subject. So check the show notes at irenacast.com slash 122. And you can comment there if you want to add to the conversation. Let us know your history with the Holy Spirit and your thoughts on how your church experience formed your opinion in that. Or you can actually just comment on the post on Facebook. That seems to be the places where we're most active and all that kind of stuff. So we really do want to continue this conversation. So all the show notes, irenacast.com slash 122 for this particular episode. Uh, on the other side of the music, we are going to be giving a state of Irenacast address and playing a new game called Youth Ministry or Sports. I don't know. We'll come up with a clever name later. <laughs>
We ask you listeners to fill out a survey at irenacast.com slash survey uh, to win a copy of Jamie Wright's book. And we got uh, a lot of replies and they were super helpful. We sat down and we went through them uh, just a couple of days ago from this recording. And man, it was so great to hear from all of you. And it was extremely encouraging for us because sometimes it's hard for us to know, uh, even though lately we've had so much uh, interaction with many of you, uh, it's hard to us to know, like, is this stuff landing? Like, are we, are we yeah. hitting our mark and stuff like that? And we just, we're really encouraged by the responses. So and believe it or not, we have very strong disagreements about how things should go sometimes. And so it's really nice to hear, like, you know, I used to think, you know, the podcast is too long and people responded and we're like actually it's about the right length about right so so i i don't know what i'm doing and it, it really so thank you for disproving alan and vindicating all. me after yes. 120 episodes uh so it was extremely helpful for us and also helpful in moving forward because alan and i have been talking a lot since returning from hiatus back in september because we knew that the dynamic of the show was going to change when mona was no longer going to be a regular part of it uh and we heard from many of you that really miss and lament the loss of mona and we do as well but i'm not i'm, I'm like she's died <laughs> i know that <laughs> she's not mona. she's thriving and well um yes. but you know maybe stay tuned in the next couple episodes couple weeks you you might you might hear from her you never know you know we're just we're just saying she she could pop in uh very soon so um so since then that's we've also been really purposeful in trying to pick the guests that we bring on the show uh so you know Jennifer Knapp Austin Channing Brown Jamie Wright even last week's or last episode's guest in Joey like really trying to bring in perspectives outside of that so that is something we are working on and rather than having two cis white dudes all the time right we because trying to kind of diversify and like not in a token way that's something that we're interested in because we know what it's like to sit under the tutelage of a bunch of old white dudes telling us what theology we should be interested in. Right. So we are aware of that, but we don't want it to also stop work that we're passionate about by just saying, well, we're, you know, this disqualifies us or whatever. Because um, we, we are. That's an interesting conversation on its own. It is. <laughs> it's a whole episode, right? Um, so, so thank you for your response in those areas. And just know that this is a show that started out as a hobby, as a way for us to kind of just talk and get out some of the stuff that we've been going through. Because at that point, none of our lives were settled or even moving in a direction where we felt like settling was going to be an option in any place soon. And I feel like we're at a place now where in our, in our personal lives and with the show, we kind of see a horizon a little bit for yes. the first time in many ways. And this is becoming and has become more than just a hobby. And we are trying to discover what the next step is for that. So we're talking and we have stuff planned and we have all kinds of great things that uh, hopefully everyone will be looking forward to. But the more we can hear from you, the better. So even though the contest is over, we would still appreciate it if you want to go to irenacast.com slash survey and fill that survey out. And, and just let us know like your thoughts on the show. The questions are pretty easy. I think it, it takes like, two or three minutes to go through um, and, you know, be brutally honest if need be. Uh, even if you're just like a first time listener or you've been listening since the beginning, we, we want to hear from you because both of those camps of people we want to uh, cater to as much as we can in terms of right. the format for the show. More people, more people turned those in than I thought would answered the surveys. And I was pretty stoked about that. And we could always use more. Right. And we first started the show, if we had done something like that, we would have got the, the answers. But it would have been all people like we literally know that like 
<laughs> they knew we were starting right. the show. But now the vast majority of the people who are listening are people we've never met in person. We don't have any history with aside from the show. And that was all but I think one of the people who filled out the survey. So again, first, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because it was super helpful. And more importantly, for us encouraging because, <laughs> you know, some things, some other parts of our lives are in a bit of disarray right now. And it's it's hard to know if we're in the right direction in anything. And, and the comments from those were super helpful. And putting, putting your work out there and putting your voice out there is always a very like, uh, fragile thing, even for people who've done it for a long time, you know, like we speak for a living and stuff, but it's still, it's still kind of a weird thing to hear your own voice and be like, you know, do people listen to that? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I always tell Jeff, I'm like, Jeff, I think the timbre of my voice is off. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, your voice sounds smooth. Mine is like pretty rough, man. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I, I don't know. I don't like to talk about that because people have said awkward things to me <laughs> in regards to like, Jeff, your voice is so nice. Yeah, that's true. I had like a relative say that in a, in a, in a way that was a little too sensual for my taste. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, eh, I don't know about that. Um, so just, just to echo what you said there, um, there are things that we're planning for the future and that we're pretty stoked about. So we'll keep you updated about that as they come up. Yes, we will. So with that out of the way, hopefully we'll be hearing from you soon. Let's do this new segment. Uh, so I think this is going to be fun. Uh, Alan and I are, uh, former youth pastors, if this is your first time listening or we haven't said that before, and not like just nine, former nine years, man, right? Not I just former right. youth pastors, but former youth pastors within the evangelical world, and uh, in a lot of ways, it embodied many of the stereotypes of a youth pastor. And one of the things, have we done that episode yet on youth ministries? We did a while back. Uh, really, we, we did a whole one on adolescence and stuff like that. Remember? No, we need to revisit it from the idea of like just youth. And this is what someone said in their survey: just strict youth group. Just talk as youth pastors about youth ministry. Now that you're out of all of it, and like, we should totally do that. A retrospective of our time in youth ministry. That'll be interesting. That's the real stuff, dude. That'll be interesting. Well, I'll put in the show notes if you're interested. Our episode that we did do on uh adolescence at the very least the cover art for that episode is all of our <laughs> uh yearbooks so you could kind of see what we looked like back when we were uh, little when kids I was in ninth grade yeah tenth grade. <laughs> um but as youth pastors we recognize and this goes a lot to what with with what we talked with joey about last week but it is a very white culture in youth ministry yeah. And uh, part of white culture is extreme sports and <laughs> surfing and skating and all that kind of stuff. Not that it's exclusive to, but it's certainly a part of it. And kind of a certain, and especially us being in California, a certain language, you know, like epic and a lot of words like that that we would overuse in certain ways. And uh, yeah, so we thought it'd be fun to make fun of ourselves and, you know, a little bit of this culture and, and try to discern whether it's a, an extreme sports brand or a youth group, because a lot of times there's not a whole lot of difference. Right. Um, so so we found actual sports and actual uh, youth group names and the other guest has to the other co-host has to determine which one it is. So do you want to hear – before we start, did you know that someone paid my fellow youth pastor when I was in early 2000s, whenever Twitter came out, paid him for his Twitter handle on his youth group? Maybe this is mid-2000s. Maybe I'm dating myself a little too much. Maybe it's late 2000s. I don't even know. But he bought he, – he set up his Twitter for his youth group, and it's like Ignite or something, you know, totally generic. Something generic, like that. yeah. Twitter backslash Ignite. 
And a business like a year later approached his youth group and was like, we will give you $10,000 for your Twitter oh, handle. Dang. And so he took it and invested it in his youth group. And if I could have gotten $10,000 from my youth group, there's a ton of stuff that we could have done with that. We could have bought a drum set that wasn't broken. <laughs> I would have just taken anyway, it. So what I did for this game was I went on tw- Twitter and looked at different youth group Twitter handles. <laughs> Interesting. Do you okay. remember any of your youth group names? How much stock did you put in? Oh, of course. In your youth group names. My, oh, I'm not supposed to say this. Someone helped me someone helped me design one of my youth group things a long time ago, but I won't say who it was. I'm pretty sure she's not gonna get angry. If she's gonna get angry at me, whatever, dude. Like it's all on you. She helped Mona helped me design one of my youth group logos. She did. <laughs> it was delivered youth ministries. She's an, I remember delivered. We, <laughs> <laughs> I remember putting, cause we did a, uh, we did a camp together and I remember putting together your logo and my logo. My, my youth, my last youth group was yielded youth ministries. That's, that's um, marginally better than mine. I'll just say that. I think because, it's problematic. Well, hold, hold, hold on. Delivered, like yielded is like that, that kind of has a regular, like, you know, everyone stops at a yield sign. So at least you're stopping for a moment, right? Like you're yielding like that. There's a, if you're delivered, if you're like, I'm going to send my kids to delivered. And it's like, dude, that's, that's Christianese out the wazoo. Right. You know it is. I mean? well, my first delivered youth group. from darkness to light. Where I was a full-time youth pastor. My uh, youth group name was Area 211. Really? From First Peter 211, where you are aliens and strangers in this world. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's bad. So, so my delivered came from, I think, like First Corinthians, where it's like, he's delivered us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. So the logo <laughs> had like from dark to light. Dude. My logo oh. was the, uh, you know, the radioactive symbol. Or whatever, really? but with an yeah. extra line, so it was a cross and a radioactive symbol. <laughs> and we had Are like you gonna a- post it. <laughs> you gotta find that logo and post it. I feel like we're gonna, there's gonna be a lot in our Instagram this week. So uh, right. follow sure. us on Instagram, and I'll, if I can track some of these things down, I will. I will put some of our old uh, youth group logos in connection to this episode. So uh, <laughs> should be <laughs> fun. Okay, so so give me your your first your first name. Let's see here. So I have three. Summer sports, summer not. Let's go with the first one. Pow! Exclamation mark. Pow! P O W! Exclamation mark. Is it an acronym? Like, is it? I'm not P- going to answer okay. that. Okay, I'm okay, just okay, okay, you. okay, okay. P O W! Exclamation mark. I'm going to go with youth group name. Yes, it's a youth group name. Okay. It's a. Uh, it's actually an open and inclusive youth group thing. Um, shoot, I forgot to look at what it was from but it's like think proud and out or something like that which is you know at least people are still naming their youth groups something like you know accessible like pow yeah that's a uh, legit so what what's one you got you've got one point okay real united this could easily go either way you picked a really good one wow wow i I I have to go with sports. It is sports. Okay, because because it, it's too obvious as like a youth group name, you know. Right, <laughs> like, right. We're really united. We're real united. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Heaven's gates. Wait, are you serious? I'm serious. I almost I, I'm I'm gonna go for sports because it seems too obvious. <laughs> it's a youth group. <laughs> well, that's just... Heaven's gates youth ministry. 
and its Twitter handle. I that shouldn't be making fun of people like this on the show, but it's just too much. It's just too much. God, I can't be positive all the time. You ask too much of me. I'm just a human. Oh my gosh. It's eight Heaven's Gates Youth Ministry underscore fire was their Twitter Twitter handle. There's some bad youth group names out of there. I ran I ran across several that were uh, That just reminded me of something we should have talked about. See, now I get my chance. I don't care what you say. We should have talked about how the Holy Spirit is uh personified by things in nature. We kind of talked about that a little bit, but we should have said more about it. Dove, fire, water, wind, you know, all those right. things. And it's like, wait, look at that connection. Think about the ecology of the spirit. Anyway, Heaven's Gates, isn't that like a – wasn't that a cult? Oh, yeah. It was a Heaven's Gate. They were right. waiting for a comet. Yes. hail yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. Dude, so how can – okay, yeah. UFO Religious Millinery and Cult based in San Diego, 1974. Founded in 1974. And, and I think they, they all, all killed themselves in the yeah. 90s, right? Oh, my God. So, you know, you may have made a mistake at some point in your life or not a, just a stylistic error, but at least you didn't name your youth group Heaven's Gates. Right. <laughs> just Area 211. <laughs> that is pretty bad, dude. I know. I know. All right. Um, okay. So I missed that one because you made it too obvious. So, you, yes, you tricked me, basically. Right. So all right. one to one. Epidemic. I, I have to go with youth group. It is a youth group. That's so good for a youth group for like a early 2000s, late 90s, angsty youth group. That's perfect. I saw one as I was scrolling through this, the one youth group outbreak. I don't know if that's the right way <laughs> you want to go. <laughs> hey, mom, I got to go to outbreak this afternoon. That's right. <laughs> Epidemic is pretty good. Okay. What about, I, I also want to say there's a movie called Extreme Sport, Extreme Team in 2003 with Chris Pratt about black ops rescue team that's made up of uh extreme sporters and i really want to watch it with you jeff <laughs> i'd watch it maybe i'll uh, if it was faith themed i could just throw it on divine cinema hey <laughs> dude we mentioned it on facebook but they're they're gonna make god's not dead's gonna make a thailand cave i know that's so excited about that you got the bat signal right i posted it i did i did good because there are people who wants to, who want to see that jeff i already have to watch god's not dead three so uh <laughs> wait Three? Oh my god. It already god. came out. It came out in March. How many times do we have to kill God, Jeff? A lot. <laughs> Before he goes away. Okay. He. So here here's a here's another one. Mad gear. That's skate or sports. Yeah. M A D D gear. All uppercase. I tried. I didn't try very hard. No. Alright, you ready for this one? Yeah. Third kind. <laughs> first of all that's perfect for this game i think i know what it is though i think it's a brand it is a brand it is yes. a brand it is did a i brand. see that before how is it a well-known brand because so for some reason in my head there's like a it's a skate brand there's like okay so i was really into skating i used to wear americas a lot when i was in junior high like america i had etnies this so is my et- Etnies got less cool by the time I got into school. Like they weren't as cool anymore. The girls still wore them, but not the boys. We wore America and Volcom and stuff. And uh, I think Third Kind was like a older, wasn't it older? Like an older brand. I don't know. I've never seen it before. This is the first time that I'd seen it. Maybe I was playing Tony Hawk on Nintendo or something, and 
came across it. <laughs> I think I won. I think I you won. did. Three to My two. First time ever. Yes. I know how to name a youth group. I had a couple honorable mentions. One was impact. And that would be sports youth and youth group. It was both. Ooh, see, that would have been weird to, you could have thrown me for a loop there. I know. I thought about it, but then at half point. Was it impact like an area youth group for you guys or something like that? What was the area traveling circus that came through town all the time? I don't know. <laughs> what was the thing where people would play music and do plays? That's at Action all the House. Okay, that was Action you. House. Think yeah. about that. Dude, I want to go to Action House and get some action. <laughs> anyway. Oh, goodness. I think people should uh, I think people should tell us what their youth group names were. Yeah. What's your youth group name? I would name? love to know. Tweet us. Tweet us at Irenacast. Hashtag youth group name. Hashtag. Hashtag. Should we say cringy youth group name or hashtag youth group name? Just youth group name. Old youth group name. How about that? No, it's too long. Just youth group name. Hashtag youth group name. You want to be like John Oliver? Hashtag and then a paragraph after it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you do that, I'll, I'll, I'll retweet you. There you go. In, in Incentive. I don't use Twitter very well, so I don't. We'll figure it out. That's... <laughs> or just anything. We'll figure it out. I want to know. I want to know what your youth group name was. We'll, we'll remind everyone. The thing is that, that it? Did, do you have any more honorable mentions or is that it? Uh, one more honorable, honorable mention. And I almost went with this one because I feel like it could go either way. Thieve. Thieve. Is that a skating brand? Yes. But I thought okay. maybe the confusion would be like, like we're the two thieves think, aside from Jesus. and like I think I, if you would have said that, I would have gone for youth group. Because it's like <laughs> I would have voted youth group on that. For sure. Because I thought you would have been tricking me. Well, then there we go. That'll do it for us this week. Alan, how can people find what you have going on on the interwebs? Hopefully you feel Holy Spirit inspired. Um, <laughs> if you don't, you can go to my Facebook. <laughs> I definitely feel that way. And I will, I will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit in the form of statuses and uh, little witty quips. And that's it. That's it. Facebook. <laughs> so just find him on Facebook. Facebook.com back, backslash Rev Alan O'Brien. And as usual, that'll be in the show notes as well. You can follow me on all the socials at Jeff Manildi. Uh, that's J-E-F-F-M-A-N-I-L-D-I. And listen on the second and fourth Thursday of every month and to my other podcast, Divine Cinema. And that's at DivineCinema.net. We just released a, a new episode on the movie Silence, the Martin Scorsese film from the end of 2016, which is a really interesting conversation that we went back and forth on. So check that out. And uh, as for Irenicast, don't forget to subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. We're available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. And while you're there, if your platform allows it, leave us a rating and or review. We're always looking for more and more ways to hear from you. And again, like we mentioned before, you can also fill out our listener survey at renicast.com slash survey. The information you give us is super helpful as we move forward and continue to evolve the show. That's at renicast.com slash survey. So for this week, I'm Jeff. I'm Alan. Thanks for joining the conversation. Peace. Don't forget to don't forget to <laughs> shit. <laughs> Hold on.